nothing. <laughs> you guys are smart. You're getting it there. That was my dad. And that little space there, you know, maybe 15 feet apart, that was how I grew up. I just, I wanted to so much be like my dad and please my dad, but it just never seemed to work out that way. And as I grew up, and our relationship, you know, didn't go the way that as a little kid I thought it would go, and definitely not the way that he thought it would go. Things were really, really challenging. And what I realized, though, as an adult is that every single one of us have a desire to be like someone else. Every one of us. Every person in this room, when you're a little child, you grow up and you go through your teen years and you want to be like some famous movie star. And even as an adult, there's something as we look at someone else, if I could just be like that or if I could just be like that. And where does that come from? Where does that desire to want to be something other than who we are? I believe in the good sense, the desire to be someone that we're not comes from God. Because I believe that God put this desire in us to be like Jesus. I believe that God put in the heart in, the, in every person from the time that they're a child, a little tiny child, every person knows that there has to be something out there bigger than themselves. And that desire to be something that you're not, I believe, comes from God himself. It just gets corrupted. It gets polluted. If you have your Bibles today, we're going to look at two passages of Scripture, and I'm going to talk to you about becoming like Jesus. I'm going to talk about God has created you to be like Jesus, and then how do we, how do, we do that? If God has created us to be like Jesus, how do we become like Jesus? At City Church, we stand in honor of the reading of God's Word, and I want you to stand with me this morning. We're going to look at two passages of Scripture, Genesis chapter 1, if you have your Bibles, Genesis chapter 1, verse number 26, and then we're going to read Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 1. Genesis chapter 1, verse number 26. The Bible says, then God said, everyone say God, let us make mankind in our image, in our image. Everyone say image. Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. So that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky. So that they may rule. God has created you for purpose. In the beginning, God created us to be like him. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn over there. Ephesians chapter 5. Paul, speaking to the church at Ephesus, says in verse number 1. Read along with me. Follow God's example in everything you do. Just as much as a much-loved child imitates his father. Be full of love for others, following the example of Christ, who loved you and gave himself to God as a sacrifice to take away your sins. Follow God's example. Following the example of Christ. Here's my one big idea this morning. You were created to be like Jesus. You were created to be like Jesus. This morning our prayer time is a very serious prayer. Last night I was called to the hospital to visit a young man that was baptized in this church when he was about 15 years of age. His name is Nicholas Oligard. He walked into a convenience store Thursday morning in Daytona, and the guy behind the cash register was playing around with the gun, and he pulled the gun out, and he pointed at him point blank, and it went off, and it shot him in the shoulder. He lost 120 pints of blood there in the convenience store Thursday morning, and uh, he's not expected to live. I've been texting. I went up and prayed with him last night. The family was there. It's one of the 
biggest tragedy. I can't even wrap my brain around it. And I told the family this morning that our church would pray for him. Nicholas needs a miracle. Nicholas Ollie Good needs a miracle. Will you join with me this morning as we pray for Nicholas? Just Can you just lift your hand toward the screen? Come on, let's just pray for a miracle. Even right now as they're deciding what their next step is. Lord, I pray for Nicholas today. Lord, I don't understand these kinds of tragedies that come into our lives and our world, but I pray, God, your peace. God, I pray over the family right now. I pray over Patty. I pray over his mother and, God, all the cousins and the aunts and all those people that are gathered in that room trying to decide what to do. God, I'm praying that you will intervene, that you will work a miracle. For Lord, right now, this is up to you. You're the God of heaven and earth. You're the God that created us in your image. You're the God that speaks life. And so we speak life into Nicholas's mind, his body, his organs. God, we are asking for you to do a miracle, a supernatural miracle. God, we're asking for you to heal him today. We thank you, Lord, that you're the God who hears the cries of your people. Come on, just lift your voice right now. Just begin to pray for Nicholas like it was your child this morning. Lord, we just pray for this boy. God, this young man, God, we pray that you'll do something only you can do, and you'll get all the glory. I ask this in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, for every person here today, open our hearts to hear from you. God, give me a mouth to speak. The words that I say, let them not be my words, but let them be your words in the ears and the hearts those who hear in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. God has a plan for your life and that you would be like Jesus. That's his plan. That's his plan for every person in this room. Uh, But sometimes when we talk about religion and spiritual things, people get it a little bit confused. uh, But what I want you to know today is what it doesn't mean to be like Jesus Before we talk about what it means to be like Jesus, I want to talk about what it doesn't mean to be like Jesus. The first thing you've got to know is to be like Jesus doesn't mean that you will ever become God. Okay? Let's just kind of get that one off the table right now. You will never be God. (laughs) Uh, God is God all by himself, like the old timers used to say. Right? You're never going to evolve to a higher being, a higher spiritual state, and then someday become a God. There are philosophies, there are religions that teach that you are God, you are one with the universe and the world. No, 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 no. Uh, We can be at peace with God. We can be at one with God, but we will never be God. He has reserved that for himself. You are a created being in his likeness and image. The second thing, it doesn't mean you'll become a a mindless clone. I mean, we're not all the same in this room. Some are tall, some are short, some are are thinner and whiter, some have more hair, some have less hair, some have smaller nose, bigger nose, some have certain kinds of foods they like, like fried chicken and collard greens. Yesterday I had greens and mashed potatoes and gravy. I'm like, oh, my favorite. And something like greens, you got to be kidding me. Like, ah, I love broccoli and I, you know, I, we all have different tastes. We don't all have the same kind of lights for television show, for music. I mean, we're just different. God created us uniquely with a, a special DNA and a special look, and you're uniquely you. God created you to be you, not to be anyone else, but to be like his son Jesus. Uh, the third thing you've got to know about being like Jesus today is it doesn't mean that your life's going to become easier. It doesn't mean that your life is going to become easier. But your life will become better because God has your best life in store for you. It doesn't mean easy. Everyone say it doesn't mean easy, but it does mean good. Come on. It doesn't mean that it's going to be easy, but your life is going to be good. Because God created it that way. God created all things in your life to work together for 
good, for his good and for his glory. And so as we look at this this morning, what does it mean by to be like Jesus? What it means is that we are to follow the example that Jesus lived, the kind of life that Jesus lived. Peter told the church, he said, Christ who suffered for you is your example. Follow in his steps. Follow in his steps. And so that's what we endeavor to do today. We endeavor to follow in the steps of Jesus. Rick Warren said it like this. If God is going to make you like Jesus, he's going to take you through everything that Jesus went through. If God is going to make you like Jesus, he's going to take you through everything that Jesus went through. God has some tools in his toolbox to help us to become like his son. The writer of Hebrews says that Jesus, being fully God, he was fully God, but he was also fully, fully man. This is probably the hardest concept for us as followers of Christ to wrap our heart and mind around because we can understand him being God. We see the miracles that he did, and he walked on water, and he he fed multitudes and thousands of people. We can understand that, yeah, that's God, but the fact is Jesus had to suffer. Jesus suffered in this life, and the writer of Hebrews says that he actually learned to be obedient to the will of the Father through the things that he suffered. And so when we look at this example of Jesus, I want to look at some tools that God uses to make us like his son Jesus. The first thing that I want you to see this morning is that God uses temptation to teach us to obey him. God uses temptation to teach us to obey him. In Matthew chapter 4, the Bible says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. Every temptation in my life and in your life is an opportunity to grow and to become more like Jesus. Now, when Jesus lived on planet Earth, we don't know much about his first 30 years. We just don't know a lot about it. But when Jesus got to the age of 30, Matthew's gospel said that the Spirit of God The Spirit of God led him into the wilderness. Forty days and forty nights, Jesus went without food. Most scholars also believe that he went without water. For forty days, Jesus went into this desert period of life. Have you ever had a a time in your life that just felt like a desert? Have you ever had that, you just felt like you were all by yourself, you were alone, like what was happening? Now, Jesus spent 40 days by himself without food because he was seeking God. He was seeking to do the will of God. And at the end of that 40 days, the evil one comes. Satan comes. The fact is today, Satan comes to your life. Now, I, I, I don't believe today that you have, you know, the, the, the Satan. I believe that there are demonic spirits or evil powers that entice us and and draw us away to try to sin against God. We see that in Scripture. We see that in the garden with Adam and Eve when Satan came to tempt them. The evil one came to draw them away. And we see this with Jesus. Satan came to tempt him. The fact is in your life, temptation in your life teaches us that we must obey God. Jesus, when Satan came, he was tempted by the devil to do three things. He was tempted with the eyes. He was tempted with the eyes. First thing, the first temptation that Satan laid before him was, hey, Jesus, if you're really the son of God, why don't you take that stone and turn it into bread? He was tested in the area, tempted in the area of provision. Take that bread. You, 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 you see that. You, you know, you, are you 
that, that fleshly thing, you really want that. And Jesus saw the bread, or saw the stone, and it had the potential. But Jesus' plan was to obey the will of the Father. Jesus' plan was not to listen to the voice of the enemy. So Satan says, I want you to, you, if you really go, why don't you take that stone and turn it into bread? And you know what Jesus says? He says, no, 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 no. You don't get a devil. Man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Man doesn't live by his own provision and by his own hands and what he can make, but he lives by trusting God to be his source. And then Satan says, well, okay, Jesus, he takes him up to this temple, and he says, if you're really God, why don't you just throw yourself down? Come on, he'll give you angels. They'll, they'll take charge. He actually quotes the scripture. He quotes the Bible. Jesus says, no, 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 it is written, it is written, it is written, man shall worship no one but God alone. See, Satan was tempting him to take control of his own life, to take control of his own life, to make something of himself, if you're really God, if you're really the Son of God. And then the third temptation, Satan took him up to a high mountain and said, see all this, all these kingdoms are mine. Paul the Apostle actually confirms that to be true. He says, the kingdoms of this world, this spiritual kingdoms, belong to the enemy of darkness. Satan says, I'll give you all this if you'll worship me. And Jesus says, no, no, no. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and you worship him alone. See, God's created you today. God's created each of us to, to be like Jesus. And if we're going to be like Jesus, we're going to experience the things that Jesus experienced. And Jesus experienced temptation to learn that he had to obey God. Now, here's the deal, guys. Everyone in this room is tempted in the same way. We're tempted in the same kinds of things that Jesus was tempted in. Paul said the temptations in your life are no different from what anyone else will experience. But God is faithful. He will not allow that temptation to be more than you can stand. Here's the deal. Temptation doesn't prove to God what we are made of. He already knows that. But rather, it proves to us what he is made of. Everyone in this room is one decision away from being an idiot. (laughs) Everybody. And we're all, everybody in this room is one decision away from doing something really stupid. Saying something really stupid, acting really stupid. We're just one decision. But we're also one decision away from being successful. We're one decision away from overcoming. We're one decision away from being victorious. We're one decision away from being more like Jesus. So how do I deal with this temptation? Because it's going to come. I mean, don't think that your life is any different than anyone else. I'm tempted, you're tempted, every person on planet Earth is tempted to rebel against God and to live life our own way. So what do we do? How do we deal with this? The first thing you've got to do is the first thing, you've got to reprogram your mind. Everyone say, reprogram your mind. I mean, you've got to think different about God and who He is. And the only way you can do that is through God's Word. You've got to get a bigger perspective of life, not a narrow perspective television, music, entertainment, vision of life. You've got to get a God perspective of life. The second thing you've got to do is resist the devil. Everyone say, resist the devil. Peter says, resist the devil, and he will flee. How did Jesus resist the devil? Jesus quoted the scriptures. Away from me. It is written. You see, the Bible, the Bible is your sword. The Bible is your weapon against the works of darkness and the evil one. You have the authority of God's word. 
Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will last forever. They're God's word. They're sharp and powerful. They're, 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 they are the arsenal that you have in your weapon to combat and to fight spiritually against the works of darkness and the temptation that comes to your flesh. The third thing is there's times you just got to run. Run as fast as you can away from temptation. I mean, you know how the devil does it. He just, that thing you're struggling with, whatever, he just hangs that right in front of you. Maybe it's some kind of a, 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 of a, a pleasure device, something that, that, that you kind of find yourself going back to. You know it's destructive, but you find yourself doing it over and over. You know, just kind of hang it in front of you. I, I remember the first time, one of the very first times someone uh, I'd ever smoked pot as a teenager, someone just offered it to me, just gave it to me. I remember the first few times as a young man, I was, you know, I, I was just kind of searching and trying to find my own way. And I never had to buy pot until I started smoking pot. And then the devil knew that he had me. I mean, you can name the temptation. You, whatever it is, whatever, Satan will just hang that in front of you. He'll put, he'll put that person in your life that just, you have a problem with your anger. And you're just really trying to control it. And you know, as soon as you get in your car, someone's going to cut you off. There's that temptation to let your anger get the best of you. There's that temptation to look at the wrong thing, to say the wrong thing. Sometimes you just got to run. You just got to run from the devil. Not run to the devil, not run with the devil, but run from the devil. The second thing that God uses in our life is that God uses troubles to teach us to trust him. I want you to see this verse in Romans chapter 8, verse number 28. They're going to put it on the screen. God, we know. We know that all things work together for good. Everyone say, for good. To those who love God. To those who are called according to his purpose. Now, as a believer, God uses troubles to teach you and I to trust him. He uses it. It's just, it's a fact. In this life, Jesus said, you're going to have trouble. Everyone said, I'm going to have trouble. I mean, you're going to have troubles in life. But we know that all things, all things work together for good for them that love God. If you love God today, whatever has happened in your life, only God can redeem it. Only God can redeem and restore the bad things that happen to us. I was with the family last night, and I actually read this passage of Scripture. I read Romans chapter 8, verse 28, all the way to the end of the chapter. And at the end of the chapter, it says, listen, neither death nor life nor principalities nor angels or anything shall ever separate us from the love of God. The fact is today, God does love you. God does love you. God does have a plan for your life. And God is the only one who can fold the evil and the bad things that have happened to us into his plan, into his purposes to bring him glory. He's the only one that can do it. It might not make sense to me. It might not make sense to you. But God, because God has the big picture. God sees the beginning from the end. God is the Alpha and the Omega. He knows everything in our life. When trouble comes our way, God does have a plan. For the believer, God uses troubles to refine us, to make us more like Jesus. Job, when he was being afflicted and he had all these sores and things on his body, he says this about his trouble. He said, God has tested me through the refining fire. And I've come out as pure gold. See, God doesn't want you to become bitter about the troubles. God wants you to become better because of the troubles. God wants to take those things in your life, and he wants to make you like pure gold. 
God wants to take the hatred that's in your heart and turn it into love. God wants to take the anger that's in your heart and turn it into peace. God wants to take the frustration of your life and turn it into joy. Only God can do that today. And God uses troubles to come into the believer's life to help us grow and to become more like Jesus. You know, when Jesus was on this planet, in the, we see in the, in the desert he was tempted. But in the garden, we see that he experienced great trouble. Trouble that literally drove him to his knees. And what I found about trouble in my life, real trouble, bad trouble, bad troubles that come into our life, it draws me to my knees. Because i got one or two choices. I could try to take it on myself and figure it out, or I can call upon God. I said, God, I need you. God, I can't do this. God, I need you today. And when Jesus was in the garden, and he, was, he knew his future, he knew his destiny. It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy what Jesus was about to do when he would go to the cross and die in a place called Golgotha. That wasn't an easy decision. It wasn't easy because Jesus knew that he was going to take all the sins of my past, of my present, of my future. Jesus knew that he was going to take all the sins of your past, your present, and your future. Jesus knew that he was going to take all the sins of the world, and he was going to take them upon himself so that men could be set free. It was a great cost. And the Bible says that to trouble, it disturbed him so greatly that he began to burst blood. His capillary vessels in his, in his, in his forehead just began to explode, and he began to bleed blood from the forehead. I mean, he was under a great weight. And then he prays these words, Father, if there be any other way, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be I always tell people, when you're going through hell in life, just don't stop. <laughs> don't stop in hell. Don't camp out in hell. Don't camp out in bitterness. Don't camp out in unforgiveness. Don't camp out in anger. Don't camp out in those places. Because if you camp out in those places, it'll destroy you. God doesn't want to destroy you. God wants to redeem you. God wants to heal you. Trouble. Trouble in life. We all have. A couple of years ago, I met this individual. Uh, God has done an incredible work in her life. I, I actually had the privilege of watching her be baptized at the beach last summer. Uh, and we were talking just a couple of weeks ago about her life. And I said, you know what? I think it would be an awesome thing for you to, t- to share your story this Thanksgiving service. And so I've asked Ora Lynn to come and to tell us her story, how God has brought her out of trouble. Can you give Ora Lynn a great big hand as she comes this morning? Good morning, Aura. Good morning, Pastor. Can you say hi to everybody out here? Hello. How y'all doing? You want to say hi to Aura? Hi. I love your name, Aura. Thank Very you. cool. Thank Mom you. was, she was spiritual, <laughs> right? Yep. My dad's a hippie. Oh, your dad did. Okay. Yeah. Your dad was a hippie. Yeah. Oh, cool. Okay. <laughs> so, Aura, come on, tell us, tell us a little bit about your past. And you, first service you share with us, but tell us a little bit about kind of the religious background that you came from. Um, my grandfather was Jewish, and my grandmother was Catholic. And my mom. So you were really confused. I yeah, I had no clue. <laughs> yeah, like, and my mom studied everything, so I really didn't. I didn't really know God. Um, I knew that there was one, but I just didn't have a relationship. Um, 1998, my mother passed away, and that's really when I I sought God, and um, 
I found him, but I just didn't really. Were you married this time? Or? No, I was okay. single. Okay. I had my daughter, but okay. I was single. And um, I just, I, I knew in my head what I was supposed to do, and I did those things. I got baptized. Um, but I never changed. My heart never changed. I never stopped doing the things, living in the world, doing drugs, uh, drinking, everything that I shouldn't have been doing. I kept doing it. So I so kind of. So you were self-medicating. You yeah. Kept doing it. Kept yeah. So um, fast forward a little. I became a nurse um, because those women really treated my mom well um, when she was dying of cancer. That's cool. And so uh, that's what I did. I became a nurse. And um I you were using this whole time while you were doing oh, this. Oh, yes, stuff. using and abusing. So a lot of problems all associated around that, right? A lot of, a lot of things going a lot on. Of stuff, a lot yeah. of emptiness. A lot of emptiness. Yeah. Searching. Searching for some things, and I didn't know what it was that I needed to be filled with. So um, I met a man and, and um, got involved with him and got pregnant and had um, my son in 2008, and I was married in 2008. And uh, life was good, and I thought I thought everything was great, you know, Um the, the American dream. And then something happened. Yeah. Then trouble. Trouble came. Trouble came. Um, you weren't looking for it. N- well, no, no, not that kind. Not that kind. Okay. No, all right. No. <laughs> <laughs> You're looking for it. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, so 2008, October 2008, a friend of mine told me that my husband um, had gotten a very good friend of mine pregnant and uh, moving her into an apartment. And so um, world kind of crashed. And um, I had been sober at that time for about two years, you know, pregnancy. So you and spiraled down back into the same old stuff. Yeah. Called up those people that I knew and said, hey, where are we going? I, I just got to medicate. I, I can't, you know, I can't deal with this on my own. I don't know how to deal with this. And, you know, verge of a breakdown. So uh, I went out um, a few times, but the particular night was November 12, 2008. And... Um, friend of mine and I went out a few places and um, drank and um, on the way home I um, 1792 um, fell asleep at the wheel and um, I, I hit a man and um, life changed forever from that moment um, the man died um, I went to jail and um, from there went to prison left my 10 month old son and my 16-year-old daughter and um, spent the next three and a half years in prison and um, covered by the grace of God. And um, I learned a lot while I was there. He he showed me a lot of miracles. He showed me that he loved me. He um, saved me from myself and the self-destructive behaviors that I continually did. And he, um, he just, uh, he loved me. That was the key thing. What did, Every, you, what did Jesus do for you? He delivered me. He loved me, and he saved me from, you know, everything that, that Satan kept bringing back to, to my remembrance every time, you know. So six years this past Thursday, clean and sober by the grace of God. Come on, amen. And, um, <laughs> and um, he redeemed me two years now home from prison with my, my son. My daughter graduates college um, Come on. in December. <laughs> And, um, Amen. Amen. and he's given me he's given me a church home a family right here you know yes, um, people who love, love me you. and accept me you know no matter what because we've all we've all had things go on but you know if it wasn't for god i i wouldn't stand here right now i Amen. wouldn't be here right now come on give jesus a hand clap i love you <laughs> <laughs> 
Hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen. Thank you. Amen. Come on, <laughs> only Jesus. <laughs> he takes the mess. It's a mess. Guy's life without Jesus always ends in a mess. And it doesn't matter how much money you got. I mean, I've been around 51 years, and I know people that have had a lot of money, and their lives are absolutely a mess without Jesus. You have no money and have a mess without Jesus. You got a little bit of money. When you make your life and your life all about you and your happiness and your peace and your joy, and you leave God out of the equation, you make a mess. But when we make messes, God comes and He gives us a message of grace. And a, message of, and a message of hope. He takes the scars of our life and he turns them into stars for his glory. That's what only God could do. That's only what Jesus can do. That's only what Jesus can do. So troubles come into our life because God is teaching us to trust him. God wants you to trust him today. So what's my part? What's your part today? What's my part? I, my part is number one. I've got to commit myself to God's ways. I mean, my part today, if I'm going to become like Jesus, i got to make a choice. Deuteronomy says it like this. This day I call the heavens and earth as witnesses against you. And I've set before you life and death, blessings and cursings. Now choose life. Choose life. Choose life. Choose life. Commit yourself to God's ways. You're never going to reach perfection in this life. You can't find peace in this life. <laughs> See, God loves you today. You've got to choose. Joshua stood before the people and said, choose you this day. Choose. The second thing is you've got to change the way you think about God. It all comes back to the mind. It all comes back to the way that we think. What do you think about God? What do you think about what he's doing in your life? What do you think about Jesus? What do you think about Jesus? I don't want you to be confused today who God is. God has revealed himself through his son, Jesus. What do you think about Jesus? Jesus is the only hope of the world. Jesus is your only hope today. Jesus, this man who lived on earth, who was fully God, lived a sinless and perfect life. You've got to hear this today. He never sinned. He never lied. He was tempted at all points like you and I, but he defeated the devil. He defeated the power of Satan. He broke the power of sin off of your life. And you know when he did that? He did that 2,000 years ago before you were ever born when he died on the cross. When Jesus died on the cross and he declared, it is finished. The power of sin. God made that available for it to be canceled over your life. For you to become a new person. Well, the choice is yours today. You've got to change the way that you think. God wants us to become like Jesus. God wants us to become like Christ. His character, his values. He wants us to take those on. Here's the deal, guys. When we make that choice, this is what God does. This is what God does in our life. Ezekiel chapter 36 says, I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. God will give you a new heart. A new heart. I, I, I am a testimony. I've made a mess of my life. And Aura, you heard her testimony. 
I could go around this room and talk to so many people, so many of us, man. We know what it is to make a mess. But we also know the, we know the message of God's grace. See, when we say, God, God, come into my life and change my heart. He says, I'll give you a new heart. And I'll give you a new spirit. I'll give you my spirit. You're not doing this on your own. This isn't a self-help program. This isn't a, a personal reformation and body image program. No, no. This is a new heart. This is a new life. And God will take that stony heart, that angry heart, that, that lustful heart, that broken heart, that disappointed heart, and he'll give you a tender and responsive heart. And only God can do that. Only God can take hatred. Only God can take hatred that's in a person's soul and turn it into love. Only God can do that. Only God can take a person who is not forgiven, is holding unforgiveness and bitter, and turn that person into a person of grace and forgiveness. Only God can do that. Only God. I will give you a new heart. I will take away your sins. I will give you new desires and new appetites. New desires. New appetites. Paul says, I'm certain that God who's begun the good work within you will continue this work until it's finally finished on the day Christ returns. He'll give you a new life. He'll give you a new life. A new life. And a new purpose. A new sense I mean, we're living life and doing what we think we should be doing. The moment that God comes into our heart, all of a sudden there's this real, a realization, a reality that He's created us for a, pers- a purpose, something significant. There's only one of you on planet Earth. <laughs> and God has a mission for you. God's called you by name. God knows you. Because God made you uniquely and wired you uniquely, you have something to fulfill on this planet. That will bring a sense of significance and meaning to you, but ultimately, it'll bring glory to God. God's created you for purpose. I, I love what the prophet says in Jeremiah. I will give them one heart and one purpose to worship me forever. <laughs> you were created to worship God. That, that whole desire that you had as a little child to be like your mom or be like your dad, you know what it really was? It was a desire to be like Jesus. To worship Jesus. Oh, I will give you a new heart and a new purpose. and You will worship me forever. <laughs> for your good and for the good of your descendants. Because guys, all of us, young and old, that isn't, no matter where we are in our life, it's all about the next generation. It's not about us worshiping God. And when we come to God as true worshipers, our family sees it. Our friends sees it. Our lives are changed. We're never the same. God's created you to be. One man made a choice to be a worshiper. One man made a choice. His name was Noah. Noah, the Bible says, says, found favor in the eyes of God because when his whole world and his whole generation was rebelling against God, living for themselves, living for their own pleasures, Noah stood up and said, I'm going to obey God of my generation. I'm going to worship the one true God. And he and his family were spared. Abraham The Bible says his family, they didn't know God. They were idol worshipers. But Abraham heard the call of God's voice. And he obeyed him. He became the father of many nations. 
And all of human history has been changed because Abraham said, I'm going to worship the one true God. You can go all throughout scriptures. You can look at men like David. You can look at people like Sarah. You can look at people like Moses and Joshua. You can look at men like Peter. And look and look at men like Paul. You can, you can look at these people and you'll see that they did one thing. They said, I'm going to be a worshiper of God. You were created for that today. You were created to be a worshiper of God. To fulfill the purpose that he has for you. When he comes into our life, he gives us purpose, but he also gives us a sense of peace. Only God can redeem Ora's past. Only God can do that. Only God can redeem your past. I don't know how to explain this, but in human words, sometimes we just find it faulty and short. But you must understand today that when Christ comes into your life, his name is Prince of Peace. And he'll give you a sense of peace. When your whole world is just running crazy, things seem to be out of control. Things are out of control in our world. I mean, as long as you and I are on planet Earth, there'll be wars and murders and terrible things. But in the midst of that, God is the God of peace. God's the God of peace in your life. If you know Jesus, if you really know him today, have you allowed him to work in your life? Have you, have you really taken that step to become a follower, to become like him today? I want you to close your eyes. Thank you, Jesus. Where are you on your journey with God? Where are you today? God uses temptation teaches to obey and he uses trouble to teach us to trust because he wants you to be like Jesus. Jesus loves you today. He's calling you to himself. If you're here today and you know your life isn't right with God, you know that today. You know today that you're not following his path and walking in his ways. I'm challenging you to make the choice to do that today. When I count to three this, in this service, when I count to three right now, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Right now, anyone in this room? All across this room. Come on, anyone else? His hands back there. Anyone else? Anyone else? In fact, I see your hand. I see your hands there. Anyone else? I see your hand back there. Put your hand back there. Thank you. I see your hand back there. Jesus prayed in the garden. Jesus prayed. And there's something powerful about talking to God. That's what prayer is. It's simply talking to God. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I want everyone in this room to stand as I lead us this morning in this prayer. Can everyone just stand with me today? With all sincerity of heart, every person that raised their hand and even the believers that in this room, would you help them? You raise your hand this morning. You know your life isn't right with God. But you're here today and you want to get on the you want to get on the right journey. You want to get on the right path. You want to make sure your relationship is right with Jesus today. I want us to say this prayer. Lord Jesus, I admit today 
that I've lived for myself. But I believe today that you are calling me to become like you. I believe today that everything you said is true. And I want to be your disciple. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Change my life as I give my life to you. From this day forward, help me to be a follower of you. Jesus, in your wonderful name, amen. Can you give the Lord a great big hand clap this morning?